Praise the Lord. Indeed, God is good. His loving kindness endures forever. This is Pastor Fred Digby. I welcome you to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. Today I bring you word, the teachings of Jesus Christ, the one we love, the one we follow, the one who teaches us so that he will prepare us for heaven and make us even fit for the world in which we live. As his word comes through me to you, may it bring you encouragement, hope, light, vision, direction, that you may be pleasing to God, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you and we praise you. You are such a good and a loving God that we don't even know what we'll do without your teaching and your correction. You love us so much that you just teach us your word, the word that people will go and pay for in seminars. You teach us, you correct us, you direct us. But above all, you give us your Holy Spirit to fill us. Speak your word to us in new and fresh ways that we can understand. And may the coming of your word bring direction, correction, healing, anointing. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name, we pray. Amen. Jesus loved teaching his people parables. He loved teaching them with figures, with proverbs, with riddles, because he wants you to think about it. And that was the Jewish way of letting people get the lesson. As they think about the lesson, they'll get it. So, Jesus was dealing with people and teaching them what his disciples should be like, which is normally called the Sermon on the Mount. His disciples. Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you growing in him? Are you following his standard? Then join me as we read together Matthew chapter 7 from verse 1 to 5. Matthew 7, 1 to 5. You find the same passage in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. Some call it the parable of the moat and the beam, the speck and the log. And it reads, Stop judging so that you will not be judged. Otherwise, you will be judged by the same standard you use to judge others. The standards you use for others will be applied to you. So why do you see the piece of sawdust in another believer's eye? and not notice the wooden beam in your own eye. How can you say to another believer, let me take the piece of sawdust out of your eye when you have a beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, first remove the beam from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the piece of sawdust from another believer's eye. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus here is showing that he is a carpenter. He knows what he's talking about. So do you know what a sawdust is? Yeah, the dust, the dust. It's just like a speck of sand. Do you know what a log is like? Well, it's a piece of log. Whether it's a 2 by 4 or 4 by 4 or wooden, it's big. You can't miss it. You can miss the sawdust, but you cannot miss the beam. The beam that is used to support the building, the big, thick one. Jesus is teaching us a very important lesson here. Do not judge. He is teaching uh, people who are quick to judge, judge and condemn people. First, let me just clarify before we go on. Because some have used this as a, an excuse for not correcting others. 
as an excuse for not receiving feedback. Do not judge, do not criticize. The word judge means to criticize, condemn, censure. It is fault-finding. It is being picky. It is being in the habit of always criticizing people and we just condemn them. You see, for instance, I had somebody who said, as for this pastor, I would never and ever love him. I would never believe him. I would never follow him. Why? He said he saw that the man, he, he said something one time that was not true. And he doesn't, he doesn't like people like that. So just one time, what was that, 25 years ago? Since then, I don't listen to him. I don't want to hear about him. I can never stand him, the way he dresses, the way he talks. Wow, what else did he do wrong? You can't forgive him. Say, no, 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 no. Well, somebody has done something. So you condemn the person without even knowing why he did it, why he didn't do it. I, I met another person. He said, this elder, he doesn't even greet me. Or the last time I saw him, I was greeting him. He didn't, he didn't even respond. So I'll not even greet him again. He's proud. He's arrogant. He's pompous. And I asked him something. Do you know what was on the person's mind when he was looking? Because I have gone to a military barracks, and I'm saying this again. I was at the barracks, and there was a soldier who was asked, did you see your boss when he was passing? He said, no, I didn't see him. So I was walking in the opposite direction. Why didn't you see him? He said, really? A friend of mine had died, and I was going to tell the, talk to the wife. So all my focus was where I was going, and I saw people passing. I didn't recognize them. How then do you, without asking the person, arrive at the conclusion that that man is proud, he's arrogant, and you will never deal with him again because it is he's a hypocrite? Friend, what I'm saying here is that when the Bible says, do not judge, do not criticize, it is not talking about moral judgments that have to do with somebody who has done something wrong. In 1 Corinthians chapter Five, Paul is telling us something here that had happened before. Eh? He said to these people, why do you judge? Why do you condemn? Why do you do all these things? When he says do not judge, do not criticize, he's talking about just fault finding that is being picky, that is criticizing a person for nothing because you do not have the full, the full complement of understanding why the person did what he did. It has nothing to do with moral judgments that you have to make. When somebody has stolen something, the person has stolen. When somebody is not being truthful, you can correct the person in love. So we are not being told, just open your eyes or close your eyes at what people have done. No, Christ is teaching us a lesson and we must get that lesson clear. When a person has come short or done wrong and fallen, he is often judged and condemned and censured and just packed off. However, when you are doing that, you write off the person. You don't want to have anything to do with the person. You, that person, what are you doing? Why are you sentencing the person when Jesus has not sentenced the person to death? You see, when a person has slipped, it is time for compassion, not censoring. It is time for reaching out to that person's hand and offering whatever help you can't give to the person 
so that they will stand in Christ. It is not to negatively destroy that person at all. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit whereby you were sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So, why are we being asked not to condemn people, judge them and condemn them, and not have anything to do with them? Well, such negative criticism reflects who you are. People do it because of a number of reasons. One, they do it because they want to point to somebody's failure, tearing down that person. Then it makes them look, you, the one who is criticizing, you look better than that person. It adds to your own pride, your ego, and yourself. You pull down somebody so that it can look good. After criticism, secondly, some do it because they just enjoy the gossip. They cannot Discipline their mouth, their tongue, loose tongue. Some call it okro mouth. First to know, first to report. And what is that? That is carnality. The tendency to take pleasure in hearing and sharing bad news and people's shortcoming. Can you stop that as a child of God? Some people, they do it because they want others to be like them. They want, they, they want company. They have failed. In their lives, they've done something wrong or they are doing something wrong. And when they hear that somebody has done something wrong or they think somebody has done something wrong, they talk and talk and talk about it so that they will look good or they will feel that they are in good company because somebody else has fallen. Now, criticism sometimes, fourthly, helps to justify the decisions we have made about things that have gone wrong through our lives. We rationalize our decisions and acts by pointing at the failure of others. Look, why? Am I the first person to have divorced my husband or wife? Look at this pope. Look at this bishop. Look at this pastor. Look at this elder. Look at this deacon. Look at this person's child. Look at what they've done. Friend, that is not the point. The point is, if somebody has failed, you have to keep on criticizing them or reaching out to them as a brother or a sister. <laughs> These are tough words that Jesus is giving us. Or one more reason. Criticism, sometimes we criticize and gossip about others because it is like revenge. It is an outlet for hurt and for, re for revenge. We feel that person deserves it subconsciously, we think, ah, he hurt me. He's too proud. He has achieved something. Let me pull him down. So we criticize the person who has failed. When we do this, Jesus said, you are doing the wrong thing. You see, because all the circumstances and all the facts are not known. What happened? Why the person did what he did? You don't know it. You don't know whether the person has repented, whether God has rebuked the person or not. And you keep on criticizing month after month, day after day, week after week, or in this particular case, like somebody was telling me, after 20 years, he still has not 
reconcile with that person and I can never and ever accept that person's ministry. Wow! How do you arrive at that conclusion? The scripture says, Who are you that you judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. You, will you be able to stand when God is judging you? Romans chapter 14 verse 4. Who are you that you judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. You who think you stand, be careful, for God is able to make that person stand. But the frightening thing is that, say you, you who are judging others, you the criticizer, Christ is teaching very clearly, you yourself will be judged. Otherwise, you will be judged by the same standard you use to judge others. Christ is telling us this, why you should not judge without any pity or sympathy or even with prayer for the person. You will be judged. Three things here. The criticizer will be judged by the same thing he criticizes. So whatever he criticizes, whatever she criticizes, it is for that that you will be condemned. How frightening. You see, you'll be judged. God, you said somebody is not faithful. Are you faithful? Somebody is proud. Are you proud? Somebody is foolish. Are you also foolish? Somebody doesn't know anything. Do you know everything? Do you know everything? Have you sought to correct that person before going around spreading the news? Then he says the criticizer will be judged by one law only, the law of equal weight. That law can be stated in very many ways. Okay? The law of equal retaliation, the law of equal sin, the law of equal weight. What you sow is what you reap. But there are other passages, thirdly, that say the criticizer will actually receive a greater condemnation. As you criticize others, as you and I criticize others, will receive a greater condemnation. James chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. A very, very powerful passage. Let me read it from the King James. Maybe you'll get it. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle his own body. See, not, not many of us are able to bridle our tongues. So don't be a master. Don't be a schoolmaster. Don't be a teacher correcting others. Then he says, James 3.12, If you criticize others without mercy, you will not receive any mercy. The way you judge, you will also be judged. You will be condemned. You will not be forgiven. So Jesus goes on and on and on. The criticizer, you criticize because you have failed to examine yourself. Most times we are inconsistent. We engage in these things because we feel we are holier than somebody. So Jesus is telling us here, there's unjust criticism. That's what is condemning over here. That be careful. Be careful. You don't have all the facts. If somebody has sent, correct the person. But don't go on and on and on trying to remove the sawdust in the person's eye. When you 
yourself. You have a beam in your eye. So what is what is it? Let's try and run out this thing half time now. You see, don't criticize, and then you won't be criticized for others who treat you the way you treat them. Criticism shows a lack of Christian charity. No, you don't. There's only one teacher and judge. He's able to save or destroy. So who are you to judge and condemn your neighbor? Criticism shows that you lack control. God's people must be self-controlled. Again, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Rather, I toughen my body with punches and make it my slave so that I will not be disqualified after I have spread the good news to others. Paul is saying this type of criticism, condemnation, a lot of the things that we do, we do it because we are in the flesh. He says, look, I toughen my body. I toughen my tongue. I toughen my mind. I toughen my feeling. I toughen my ears so that they don't just let me be carnal, let me be okra mouth, let me be a gossip, let me say things and add on over and over and over again. So that after I have spread the good news, I myself, I will not be disqualified. Friends, this is a tough teaching. But that's what Jesus is teaching you and I. That we should look at the mirror, look at ourselves and desist from this thing. Will you say, Lord, help me? Yes, I would also say, Lord, help me. Lord, help us. It shows a lack of control. Christ wants his spirit, criticism, his spirit, his spirit to control our unnecessary criticism because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is it that is going on in your heart? Is it a love for Jesus, a love for his sheep, a love for his flock or what? Recently, I met a lady and I had known that she's going through a lot of challenges with her children. I said, what's going on? What's going on? She just looked at me and shook her head. Say, Pastor, I can't tell you. I'm only praying with them, praying for them. Pray with me. Say, thank you. I respect that. Criticism shows a lack of consecration, a lack of holiness. Christians are to be kind and forgiving, to be kind to each other, sympathetic, forgiving each other, as God has forgiven you through Christ. We've been forgiven through Christ. Hmm. Why? Jesus says something else about those of us who like criticizing, like gossiping, like sending things all around. You see, you are able to see the sawdust in your brother or your sister's eye, but you don't see the log in your own eye. Seeing another person's sin is so easy. It's so easy. We can find fault. As they say in most of our languages, when you point one finger at somebody, remember, three are coming back to you. Can you try it? Take your index finger, point to somebody the way we do it, and see how many more fingers are pointing to you. Three. What, therefore, are you supposed to do? Paul told Timothy, keep yourself pure. 1 Timothy 5.22 Don't be in a hurry to place your hand on anyone. Don't participate in the sins of others. Keep yourself morally pure. You're pure. Secondly, 
seeing somebody's slackness. The Bible says that God is the judge. He is the only one who can judge perfectly. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Therefore, don't judge anything before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will also bring to light what is hidden in the dark and reveal people's motives. Then each person will receive praise from God. Let me give two quick examples. Jesus was in the temple. People were making an offering. Some came big, big, big fat money. They dropped it, they dropped it, they dropped it in. A widow came with two little copper coins. And Jesus turned to others and said, This woman, she's the greatest giver. She gave 100%. But you see, if we're having a building project, and this is the trouble we fall into, pastors, leaders, fundraisers, because we look, somebody has brought their money. He said, no, this is not enough. There are pastors and churches and leaders. We don't want any coins. We don't want any of these things. Wow. Really? Do you know what the person has? We, are, we don't have the same abilities. We don't have the same resources. What we must encourage is sacrificial giving. So the person said, no. I mean, Jesus said, she has given. The rest who are giving the thousands and the millions, they have more left, but she has given everything. And God knows, and God will reward the person. Those others, people may give in order to boast and brag. It may even be stolen money, or they just want to boast. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord will also bring light to what is hidden and the person's real motives. Why they are doing what they are doing? Is it to buy a favor? Is it, quote-unquote, a bribe to God? Please, pastors and leaders, let's be careful. How we teach people, what we teach them. Then, each person will receive praise from God. God is the one to praise. So, don't let us be quick at judging. I said two examples. The story is told about a, a little girl. He had two apples. And the mother said, give me some. Give me. Give me one. And the little girl was standing there looking at the mother. Give me. So she took a bite, one, took a bite at the second one. I said, take this one. The mother looked and said, what? Why did you do that? Why? I'm sure you are also asking why. Why would you bite the apple with your tongue, with your saliva, before you give it to your mother? The mother was furious. Just before she could do the next thing that she possibly would have done, the little girl said, I wanted to find out which one is sweeter for me to give you. The mother just melted. She didn't know the little girl's motives. Friends, some of you feel condemned. You feel so hurt. People have hurt you. Take courage today. They don't know your motive. They don't know the reason why you did what you did. Yes, you may have gone wrong in the estimation. Are you right before God? Take consolation, God. Some people come to church, and by the time they get to church, they are sleeping. We look at them and we say, oh, these people, they are demonized. You may not know. He may not have even eaten before coming there. They may have walked 
before coming there. They may be hungry. They may be on medication. Why are we condemning and not encouraging and finding out? So Jesus, in teaching this, just telling us, look, seeing somebody's fault is easy. What about you? What you should be saying, verse 4, friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye. When you can't even see because you have a board in your eye, you can help somebody. What does it mean to help somebody? They cleanse yourself, control yourself, keep your tongue from evil, consecrate yourself to do the work of God. I feel we could just sing the words of Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. When David sang, examine me, O Lord, and know my mind, test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the path of righteousness. For your name's sake, can you let the Holy Spirit perform surgery on you? Can he take an x-ray of your heart, of your mind, of your mouth? Can you make that resolution to live for God? You see, Jesus said something. Say, first, first. You are a hypocrite. You must cleanse yourself on your own life so you can help others. First, Second Corinthians chapter 1, you see, when you go to some trials and some crises, with the help we receive, we should be able to help others as well. Cast out that beam from your eye. Then you can help others. So if somebody is committing a sin, abortion, you may have gone through it, or your child or somebody, how did God help you? Can you help somebody as well? If somebody is doing something that is not right, can you say, God has helped me? Can I come alongside you and help you also? Often those who judge others' misconduct are guilty of the same sin. And criticizing another is an attempt to cover their own wrongdoing. Those who judge others are not living close to God, nor are they living successfully as Christians. Remember, as Christians, the commandment is simple. Love one another. Even if you are going to correct, correct in love. Who is it who judges? God judges. Jesus will judge. Why? Because like they do in a court, you take the evidence, they do the cross-examination, the judge has all the facts as much as humanly possible before they arrive at the judgment. Do you? If you don't, when you see others, correct them in love. Even if you catch them in sin, like Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You admit sin. If you find your brother sinning, go to that person in private and tell that person. Don't go and broadcast it. If he doesn't listen to you, take someone else. These are the biblical standards. May the Lord help us, guide us, direct us as we continue to walk as his students. If you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, can you pray this prayer after me? Lord, today, I ask you to save me and to cleanse me and to help me walk with you all the days of my life. In your name I pray with thanksgiving.
Amen. If you have done this, I trust that the Lord will help you. And we as a church or any Bible-believing church will be glad to help you. Sometime soon, you hear from me. Until then, God bless us all. Amen.